obviously, and, you know, I'm sure he'd say the same thing. Like, this hasn't been the season that he envisioned for himself or certainly that we envisioned for him. Um, I feel pretty confident that uh, he's a better player than this, that he that, that Kike's not done being a good, good, good big league player. This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. Brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. I'm Chris Cotillo, Sean McAdam alongside me in person, which is not how we usually do it, but this is an emergency Fenway Rundown from Fenway Park. The Red Sox just making a deal. Kike Hernandez goes back to the Dodgers, and that's the first deal the Red Sox have made uh, so far in trade season. Red Sox getting two pitching prospects back from L.A. Nick Robertson, Justin Hageman, uh, sounds like two high-level AAA, almost ready for the majors, right-handed arms who have some promise. Heim Bloom just talked to us about the deal. Obviously not a major blockbuster, two big market teams, and sending Kike back to a place he's familiar, uh, a sell move for the Red Sox on, on kind of the fringes of the roster, which is something we talked about being a possibility. So, Sean, just your initial thoughts on the move they made today. Yeah, I think at this point uh, we knew that there was a logjam in the middle of the infield, and the fact that they got anything at all out of that transaction, they could have DFA'd Pablo Reyes, uh, they could have DFA'd Christian Arroyo, they could have DFA'd Kike Hernandez and instead end up with two serviceable arms. We'll see what that turns into. Uh, But I thought the fact that you know they got a couple of guys who might be able to contribute – I don't think they're going to be back-end or closer types. But if, uh, say, Robertson can contribute in the sixth or seventh inning here over the next couple of months and over the next few years, then that's some salvageable uh, return for Hernandez, who just had a god-awful season. There's no other way around it. Uh, I think a lot was expected of him when you look back to the fact that they extended him last September and saw that as the first building piece for 2023 and then how little they actually got out of him, you can see how the beginning of this season started to go off the rails for the Red Sox. The way I looked at it with this logjam coming, Arroyo and Hernandez as well as Reyes, all DFA candidates, conversations with people last week said people were saying, the league doesn't view Hernandez as a DFA guy. You know, there's still value there. He's 31, athletic, has a track record, versatility, all that type of stuff. I think that's proven by the return. Again, these are not world beaters, top prospects. They're you know fringe top 30 guys. I think Robertson was 25th in the midseason Baseball America rankings. But, I mean, let's face it, this is a guy in Hernandez who, according to Fangraph's war, the worst season of any player in baseball. The OPS was horrible. Average, I think he was down to about 220. He doesn't have an extra base hit since June 18th. I think it might have helped the Red Sox here that the Dodgers um, are obviously extremely familiar with him and and needed a right-handed bat and feel like he can fit back in there. Just two live bodies to me is a win for Heim, and obviously I think paying the $2.5 million to the Dodgers like they did, that helps the return as well. Yeah, they bought themselves better prospects than they otherwise would have had uh, access to by taking back about two-thirds of the money that was owed Hernandez for the rest of this year. We'll see long-term whether that plays out. But I thought it was interesting that they were willing to take back $2.5 million out of the three five three six that is still due Hernandez. To me, it, it signals an aggressiveness, and 
I think this is something the Red Sox should do often when they're making these deals. Never mind about, you know, trimming payroll and getting rid of money. Use your resources to buy yourself access to better prospects, which is what they did. But I think this might also be a little bit of a signpost for what to expect at the deadline. We know that the Red Sox don't have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to the first CBT level. They're somewhere in the six, six and a half, seven million dollars underneath. They could have given themselves another three if they didn't want much in return at all for Hernandez. Instead, they paid that down and got better prospects. That to me says they're not terribly worried about what the payroll looks like uh, as it relates to the CBT next week. Now, some people could interpret that as they're willing to go over. I think it's more likely that whatever they do is likely to be, as we have talked about, Chris, uh, you know, uh, depth moves for the rotation and bullpen that aren't going to cost a lot of money, that don't represent a lot of salary being added to the payroll. So they didn't worry about not saving an additional $3 million or so here. I think we'll get to that. We'll get to some bigger picture stuff in a second. I just want to assess kind of the Kike Hernandez experience here. Obviously, a guy that came in 2021, second half was really good. Took over the leadoff spot, played an excellent center field. You know, if you get a leadoff guy who is playing elite defense in a premier position, it really carries your offense throughout a playoff run for $7 million that year. I think, you know, that's that was a good season for him and, and a lot of expectations heading into 22. Very hurt last year. Um, you know, bouncing around a little bit more. And then this year, an abject failure. Um, you know, people should get kind of criticized for, I think, each deal or, or judged on each deal as they come. Let's say the, the two-year, $14 million original deal is a little above average and swayed toward positive, and the one-year, $10 million deal, one of the worst. You know, I know it's not a huge amount of money, but one of the worst of the Bloom era. And a question you asked him, and something you brought up a little earlier already on here is, you know, they touted this guy as such a key piece. That's, I think, what he called himself. Huge clubhouse presence, a huge piece of this puzzle. The one way to look at it is, again, failure, horrible on both sides of the ball and a terrible season by every metric. But also the fact that the Red Sox, we were talking a little bit, you know, before we were rolling here, your starting shortstop and clubhouse leader and big key piece and all that type of stuff is Kike Hernandez, who's been terrible. Corey Kluber was your opening day starter, god awful as well. And this team is still above water. I mean, does that just kind of speak to kind of the surprising pieces that have come and, and been pretty good for them? Yeah, because I don't think anybody, if we look back and said that, well, your opening day starter is going to be essentially turned into a long man in the bullpen and then get hurt on top of it, and a key signing uh, among your everyday players is going to be a total bust, you'd think, well, this is going to be a really bad season for the Red Sox. Uh, instead, they've gotten surprise contributions from a guy like Jaron Duran, who I don't think anybody expected to deliver what he has through the first four months. So, you know, it's kind of the yin and yang of this where uh, some people you're counting on, like Kluber and Hernandez, don't happen and don't contribute. But then, um, you know, elements of your roster where you weren't really expecting a whole lot, like Duran and like the emergence of Casas, uh, and a few other guys here uh, kind of balance that out a little bit. And, you know, just the guys who have stepped up and, and looking what the middle infield is going to look like in a couple weeks. Trevor Story, Yu Chang has been pretty good defensively. Reyes is a guy that, you know, like they got out of nowhere. A guy who 
was in triple a for the worst team in baseball which is effectively like double a and um he's played well enough to really take kike hernandez's roster spot i know it's a little more complicated than that but that's really the case um i think when as they the crowd's cheering here because the tarp is coming off i, I think even though Cora just met with Snitker, which usually means a postponement, but uh, by the time this rolls, you'll know if the game's being played or not. Um, big picture, Bloom talking about the deadline a little bit tonight, saying they're probably not super likely to go after rentals aggressively, which makes sense for a team on the periphery of the wild card race. He's been hovering around 500 the entire season. Was there anything telling, anything surprising about what he said? Anything particularly interesting from that? I, I was a little surprised that he sort of dissuaded people from thinking about rentals because in my mind, that's what you're looking at for starting pitching depth. You're looking for a back-end guy, you know, whether it's a Rich Hill or Michael Lorenzen or Zach Greinke, that's three names that are out there uh, and said to be available by teams out of contention. All of those guys are on deals that are up at the end of this year. You would think they would kind of play in that box a little bit and uh, at least entertain the notion of renting a guy that can uh, give them some stability in that rotation um, and get you away from having 40% of your starts now uh, handled in bullpen games and openers. To me, I'd rather have a veteran guy who uh, is going to keep you in games than trying to piece it together with seven pitchers as they had to do on Sunday night against the Mets. Maybe that changes as... Bloom went on to clarify, you know, he said we're, we're kind of open to whatever is presented to us, although he did indicate that they would focus more on guys that could contribute past the end of this season. Deadline is a week away. I think we both are kind of under the impression that, you know, any moves that the Red Sox make will be more on the minor side of things. Not, to, not that today's deal was extremely minor, obviously a big name, a major league piece, and again, uh, notable because he's going back to L.A., but you think this is the type of move we'll see pretty frequently, barring a surprise before, I guess, uh, a week from today? Yeah, I, I think they will uh, be in the market to give themselves some depth pieces in the rotation. We know that just about every team with any hint of making the postseason is going to look to augment their bullpen. I think they'd be open to that. Getting Schreiber back helps there, giving them another righty power arm to go along with Martin to set up to get to uh, uh, Kenley Jansen. But uh, And who knows, maybe something comes out of the blue that we don't expect, but I expect it to be more minor moves focused mostly on pitching. That's going to be our emergency pod for today. Big one tomorrow. Heim Bloom will be on the show with us. Uh, we're supposed to record with him today. Obviously, got pretty busy getting a trade done. So, um, stay tuned for that. A lot coming from Heim and a busy week as Sean and I both head to San Francisco and Seattle for the deadline and a long West Coast trip with the Red Sox. For now, though, the news of the day Kike Hernandez getting moved to the Dodgers for two pitching prospects. This has been the Fenway Rundown. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.